The Theonauts, episode 42. The one where what is good for absolutely nothing. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo warriors out there. <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> so we're talking to a camera. That's right. The first time we were actually uploaded here. Yeah. And uh, man, I look good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could stand so, to lose a few pounds. You think so? Yeah, me. I'm, well, the camera always adds. I'm pretty pounds. fit. Okay. So, <laughs> anyways. So now we don't know what we're going to do with this. That's uh, right. This, this, we, it'll eventually, I think, turn into live streaming and whatever, but our <laughs> schedule is so all over the map. Yeah. Who knows? And I don't even know how long this will record. I'm using my, my phone. <laughs> So this isn't exactly... You it's know. a rudimentary device. It'll work, though. Yes, it, it will. It'll work great. And, so, and it is tied to the sound system, so it should pick up all the good little That's awesome. buzz noise ears. Yeah, when you first approached me to do Theonauts, you didn't say anything about me being on camera, David. <laughs> <laughs> but that's well, okay. it is what it is. By the way, who are you? Oh, I'm David Gaddy. And I'm Jeremiah Ward. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Theo <laughs> See, we're constantly, constantly going to be turning toward the camera. That's right. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, I my left side is my best side, so that's good. Yeah. Okay, Anyways. so the trip is getting closer and closer. Oh, my goodness, a week and a half are away. You, are you jazzed? I'm jazzed. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm everything. I've been trying to that's think good. of uh, questions for somebody. Oh, yeah. And, 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 we know a lot of people over there, right? So I'm going to kind of try and figure out who would be the best person. I want to find someone with a good, um, I don't know, testimony or yeah. something that we can that we can make it. Could Pastor interview. John, of course. Oh yeah, Pastor John. That would be a good place to start, anyway. Yeah. And we wouldn't need a translator for that. Right. He's, so that might be kind of fun. Yeah. And we usually have some downtime in the evenings. Yeah. Where we could do that. That'd be really good. So, I yeah. So, stay tuned for the Theonauts in Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's going on with you this week, man? Oh, just trying to keep my head above water, dude. Amen. Amen. I mean, I have got so many irons in the fire right now. It is craziness. Yeah. And so, and with the, the, the trip and uh-huh. uh, things here at the shop and work and Theonauts, Four day, three, what, three, four days behind right. our normal schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it works. Well, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you with, uh, with the youth ministry, man. I'll tell you, we had a, an awesome turnout. We had, we did the Valentine's Day banquet yesterday night. Yeah, we turned the lights down low and uh, uh, fed all the parents, and uh, it was a really great thing. Showed the movie <laughs> Mom's Night Out, and they laughed, and it was a wonderful, you know, wonderful experience. Did so, you have uh, a dance over there at the Baptist Church? We might have a little bit. <laughs> we did that, you know, that song. How lucky can one guy be? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> some good old. Ain't that a kick in the head? So yeah. uh, it was fun. I love that type of music. So, yeah, it's very retro. Very oh man, wonderful. I got a lot of those records over here. Perfect for uh, Southern Baptist dances. <laughs> so anyway. it's not no Footloose music. No, it's not definitely not. Oh, Kevin Bacon show up or yeah. anything. 
Oh, man. There ain't no dancing hair in this fellowship hall. All right. So, anyways. Okay. So. All right. Well, uh, let's do this. <laughs> Theo Trivia. <laughs> okay, so I'm changing the rules. Yes, I, yeah, so, this is good. Okay, so here's here's what we're gonna do on the trivia. Instead of just being uh, questions, we're actually gonna compete. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to see if he can truly beat me. Yeah. So, so okay, here's the way this is gonna work. <laughs> You've heard us talk about the categories. Yes. And the categories are in a certain order on our cards. That's right. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with the first category, and you can't move on to the next category until you get a correct answer, even if it's unfair, because some of these questions are kind of unfair. Yeah, but <laughs> definitely. But even if it's unfair, or even if it's like super easy, super hard, or completely outside the Bible, some weird thing, because there's some of those in here too, Right. then um, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> so if you get uh, the question right, you move on to the next category. Right. And what we'll do is we'll keep track week after week of right. where we are on here. Wait, what what if we what if we get it wrong? We're we're asking each other two questions, right? Right. So what if I get the first one wrong? Do you just switch to another then, card and ask me another? Yep. Yep. Okay, you get the same it. category. Okay. Different question. Different question. Okay, so you ready? Oh, I can handle okay, it. Okay, now I'm still going first? Yes, you're going first. Okay, <laughs> lay it on me. This is an Old Testament question. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is a good one. Which book records the first cremation in the Bible? That's not claymation, that's cremation. <laughs> Oh man, you know, I obvious I I can't think of any specific cremation. Yeah, I'm looking it up right cremation. now. Oh, so you had to look it up. Yeah. Uh so I'm going to say because there's just a whole lot that happens in that first book, I'm going to say Genesis. It is not Genesis. It is in fact 1 Samuel 31:12, which reads all their brave men set out, journeyed all night, and retrieved the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons at the wall of Bethshan. Ah, and when they arrived at Jabesh, they, they burned, burned them. them. Right, because Saul was hung on the on their on their gate on their That's right. their wall as yeah. an uh, as a trophy. Yeah, and so they came and got their bodies and burned them to keep them from being desecrated. That's right. Okay, so there you go. So now I, you know. I get half a point for knowing the history of that. No. Okay. Which, it was really good, though. Thank you for explaining <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's your Old Testament question. Okay. What was the first lie Samson told Delilah about how to conquer his strength? Oh. Is it... <laughs> If you bound me with cords, was that the first one? I can't remember. I, I'm gonna give that to you. Oh, thank you. Oh. Here's here's what the here's what the answer says. Okay, tie him with seven green withs. W i t h, and and it says in parentheses or fresh thongs. <laughs> 
That's in Judges 16 and 7. Hey, hey, stripper Delilah, you got any thongs? I, I need I need some thongs. Okay. That was really bad. That's Sorry. Excuse way me. off. Please okay. forgive me. Mother, don't listen to this episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, I am on my Old Testament question still. Yes, you are. All okay. right. Next. Hold on. <clears throat> okay. Here you go. Who ordered the death of Uriah? David. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, I say it didn't matter. Yeah. It, it, it don't matter. That's a good one. That's a good Okay. All right, where am I at? Okay, you're on history and geography. Ooh. Okay. Okay, what was the name of the prisoner freed in preference to Jesus? You can stop it. <laughs> Barabbas. Barabbas. <laughs> yes, that Woo! is correct, sir. How is that history and geography? 500. Um, I don't know. History and geography. Well, I guess it's history. I, I guess so, yeah. Kind of strange question for that category. But yeah, it should have been Matthew 27, 16 to 26. Give us Barabbas. Okay. So I'm winning. You are winning. You, you are on prophecy. Sure, I'm stuck so. on history and geography. Early lead. And now the news. Well, speaking of winning, uh, the Grammy Awards were last week. Did you watch them? No. I uh, mean, I just enjoyed a lot of that Beck Kanye craziness that happened. Well, you ready for some more Beck Kanye craziness? <laughs> sure. This is why I was laughing right before we started the episode. <laughs> okay. Kanye West blames voices in his head for Beck's Grammy fiasco. <laughs> That's so rich. This is the best. Okay, so this is uh this is from the Christian Post. Kanye West made headlines for nearly interrupting singer-songwriter Beck's Grammy Awards speech, but recently explained the scenario by admitting that voices in his head told him to do so. <laughs> West, a 37-year-old rap mogul, spoke to radio host and entertainment executive Ryan Seacrest recently about his motivation for nearly interrupting Beck's acceptance speech for Album of the Year at the 57th Annual Grammy Awards. After Beck beat out West's friend and fellow recording artist Beyonce, the rap mogul visibly attempted to make his way halfway to the stage before you making his way back to the You gotta respect the artistry. You gotta respect the artistry. This is what he says. You know, I felt like just the whole Grammys right when that happened. Everybody was looking at me and then people started screaming, Kanye, Kanye, go do it. Okay, that didn't really happen, but those were the voices in my head. <laughs> West told Seacrest Wednesday. So the voices in my head told me go, and then I just walked up like halfway up the stage. <laughs> wow. <laughs> poor poor oh, Kanye man. and you those know, voices in his head. I had some fun uh, this week with a... <laughs> With a, uh, a a young friend of mine at uh, that goes to our congregation, yeah, he uh, he posts you know on uh, Instagram. He took a screenshot of his yeah. iTunes playing a Kanye song, and he was like, "This just never gets old," you know, out of something like that. <laughs> and I commented, just said, "Beck is better." <laughs> <laughs> he sees he sees me at, at church this morning, and he's so li- and he's like. Uh, 
dude, are you really a bet fan? <laughs> <laughs> I did you see all the memes that are just hilarious that show Beyonce on one side and it says didn't write a single song for her album, didn't uh, record any instruments on her album, just right, sang over right. her album, and then it shows Beck who's recorded every instrument and played every instrument on his album, <laughs> wrote every song on his album. Right. And he's like, but. Beyonce got gypped. What are you? Beck you needs know? to respect the artistry. Yeah, Beck needs to respect the artistry of Beyonce. Oh, wow. oh my goodness, Kanye. Oh, Kanye. yeah. I never watched those shows. I don't. I don't see any real point in them. Uh, it's just it's <laughs> self congratulatory yeah, stuff. I that's don't pretty much. I, you know, Lecrae got a. I think he got a Grammy. Yeah, yeah, uh, which he is did. awesome. So I respect that guy. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, it's it's rubbish. Complete rubbish. Totally. <laughs> okay. Uh, one more headline. Southern Baptist leader Russell Moore, Alabama judges must uphold, says this. Alabama judges must uphold gay marriage ruling or resign. Uh, so what? this is from ChristianNews.net. Right. Um, a prominent Southern Baptist leader who raised concerns last year after he advised that Christians should support the rights of other religions and also travel to the Vatican for an interfaith conference on marriage is now stating that probate judges in Alabama should either follow the recent federal rulings in favor of gay marriage or resign. Russell Moore, president of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious uh, Liberty Commission, made the statement recently to the Baptist press when asked about his prediction on which way the U.S. Supreme Court might rule on the issue of same-sex marriage. He opted, uh, he opined that the court will likely legalize the practice contradicting previous statements made in 2013 regarding the Defense of Marriage Act, Mm -hmm. DOMA. Um, Basically what he said is, what's going to happen is probably the Supreme Court's going to overturn it, which is going to make the state... Uh, law in, change change or effective to the federal effective to the federal law and what he says is this is what he said although I disagree with the ruling and I believe that the the right to marriage should be a state to state issue we must respect and uphold the law of the land basically right, right. and if you don't upset, respect and uphold the law of the land then you can get out <laughs> right. Basically. And so everybody is up in arms against this guy because... Because it makes him sound like he's pro-gay marriage. Right. That he's this big, you know, liberal pro-gay marriage. And I feel really bad, at, you know, this is uh, kind of hits home for me because, you know, it's pretty close <laughs> to home. And uh, if you know what I mean. And uh, But it's, you know, it's just more... <clears throat> this is what he says. As citizens and as Christians, our response... Our response should be one of both conviction and of respect for the rule of the law, he remarked. Our system of government does not allow a state to defy the law of the land. Right. So th- this is actually going to play in real good oh, yeah. to some of our topic today. Right. Because, you know, this because is... Because you got this thing about we're in a nation yeah. and decisions are made at the national level right. and things are done at the national level for a certain reason because you have a populace of people not all of which are Christian. Right. Uh, so it becomes, man, like the question becomes where, where is the point where you stand up and fight for the Christian way? Right. And this is, this is really good. Another quote that he says, in a Christian ethic, there is a time for civil disobedience in cases of unjust laws. Mm-hmm. More continued. That's why, for instance, Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. went to jail. In the case of judges and the state Supreme Court justices, though, 
civil disobedience, even when necessary, cannot happen in their roles as agents of right. the state. So his statement stays the same. If you can't do this in good conscience, step down. That's right. What he's saying is step away from it and then, in good conscience, rebel. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I mean, actually his statement, I you know, I support it wholeheartedly, but that's, mm-hmm. just, that's just me. Well, go down and read all the comments. Uh, oh, my gosh. I don't even want to do that. If, if I read all these stupid comments, yeah. we would have to do another thing on talking about how to remain Christian online and shut your mouth. Because we've never talked about that before. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that episode, you know, Michael Hansen was on there with us yeah. with Brandon Taylor, and he's actually the one who sent us this uh, yeah. article. Props which, to Michael, which is which is awesome. But you know, he mentioned in it, he's like, "Oh, the he, the comments just make me sad." Yeah, and it does me too because it, man, we we don't handle ourselves properly. I mean. It's, it's like, wow, people are just crazy. I mean, it just... <laughs> Amazingly, the Southern Baptists have selected a social justice hireling as their leader. They'll follow him into apostasy if they don't wake up. Okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. You know what? It's really interesting. So, it's it's a really good argument article to bring up again today because mm-hmm. of the, the topic we're going to discuss, which is, uh, you know, which is all about what do we do with government in our Christian walk, basically, right, right. it has to do with that. So, interesting. But that's that's pretty much all I got for you today. Cool. Wow. If that doesn't get you pumped up for today's topic, nothing will, man. (laughs) Woo. That's good. That's good. That's yeah, good. So you, and you didn't even know I had that stinger in there whenever you give us that that lead in. That's really good, man. All right. All right. Now I'm ready to talk so, about war. So what are we going to talk about? War. <laughs> What's it good for? Absolutely nothing. Listen to me. <laughs> so basically the, the, the topic is the war god. <laughs> or what does God feel about war? What is... What is the theological stance of God and war? And what should we take as Christians? And man, this is a huge. Oh, this is a huge divisive topic. I'm going right into this topic saying I'm torn. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to be coming down on one side or the other with any real hard. Oh, man. Because this is, it's a tough question. Especially yeah. because we live in a nation that is supposedly founded upon Christian values, yeah. and you know, we and we've talked about some of this before <clears throat> about the founding fathers' ideas of war, right? And their ideas of um, of inalienable rights that yeah. we supposedly have, and whether or not that's biblical or not is very suspect. Yes, but the thing is, we're enjoying a great. Benefit. Benefit from all that blood that was shed in those wars. Right. So, 
<laughs> where does the Christian fall on right. war? Where do you? How do you deal with? How it? How do you draw the line? What do you? Are, what do you do with it? And uh, I believe that the majority of Christians uh, are in the same boat as you, David, and I am too. Torn on the subject: where, where to draw the line? When to go to war? When not to go to war? Are we supposed to be as Christians complete pacifists, mm-hmm. uh, which means that we don't participate <laughs> in any type of, of of war whatsoever? Or do we have a duty, a calling uh, from our government and from our Lord to go to war? Yeah. Now, and, well, we can't even really talk about this topic without also getting into things like um, self defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, can can a Christian? Uh, bear arms and defend himself. Right. Uh, Personal war. Yes, there's all kinds of stuff that comes into play here. Uh, whenever I first uh, picked out this topic, I, I I contacted David earlier in the week and I said, dude, I really feel like we ought to talk about war. And it was really actually a response to a Christian uh, YouTuber who put on, he was talking about the right to bear arms, which is in the Second Amendment. Right. And he was he was <clears throat> exclaiming that, you know, I'm a Christian and I own guns. And this is the reason I own guns as a Christian. And I'm going to defend myself and all this other stuff. And I thought started thinking, okay, well, let's think about this epic ethic of owning guns. And I know mm-hmm. that, David, you own guns. I oh, own yeah. guns. We, we here in Texas like our guns. Right. And if you don't, you know, you can come and pry Pull it out of my cold, cold dead, dead hands. Head. That's right. Yeah. But. But uh, where where do we do this? So, well, and, and I'll be quite honest with you. I just enjoy the sport. Oh of shooting. yeah, it's fun. It has nothing to do right with me, sure. you know, taking down the man, sure. or anything else, sure. But it, it does have a certain persona. And, and it's looked at in a certain light mm-hmm. that if you're carrying, you know, if you're packing a, you know, a lot of people uh, actually, our church hosted a. Our church hosted a, uh, a concealed carry class. <laughs> yes, in Texas. So, I mean, that carries with it a certain connotation of of self preservation or self protection. Right. So, okay, let's go to the Bible. First off, we have to go to the Bible whenever we're talking about uh, anything. Anything. So, um, there is a, a very interesting thing that happens in the Old Testament. We see a uh, war. A lot of people call him a god of war, mm-hmm. uh, um, a warring god. Uh, Dawkins uh, made the famous statement that if this is the type of god that Christians serve, he doesn't want any part of him because yeah, he's one that would kill babies and innocent women and right. blah, 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 then I can't serve a god like that. Right. So let's uh, let's look at the god he's talking about. Uh, let's jump to 1 Samuel 15.3. This is a really good uh, passage to describe what he's He's describing there. And it says this, and I'm reading this out of the Holman. Uh, we could pull it out of something else, but I like the way the go, Holman sounds on this. So <clears throat> this is uh this is Samuel commanding from the Lord God commanding to Saul, um, okay. who's the yes. king of the time, and he says, <clears throat> Now go and attack the Amalekites and completely destroy everything they have. Do not spare them. Kill men, women, children, infants, oxen, and sheep, camel, and donkeys. All right. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty plain. Yeah, it's, it's plain that God <laughs> wants 
every type of thing to do with the Amalekites. Mm -hmm. It can be completely and utterly destroyed. Now, what kind of God, if we describe God in the New Testament as a loving God and, a, you know, uh, he's a God of love and, and great concern for us, compassion for each and every individual on earth, what kind of God would command an army to go out and completely annihilate a people? Mm-hmm. And that is a, it's a really a, a big point that a lot of non-Christians, atheists, um, used to argue the the truth of scripture uh, or to say that it contradicts itself and to and to, and to also try and compare it to uh, radical uh, Islam, Islam and and well, you say radical Islam but devout Islam right <laughs> and people want to try to use these verses to say oh Christianity is just as bad sure but it's there's a difference. Oh, very this is not so. jihad, no, necessarily. Well, and here's the here's the big difference. Uh, number one, this is this was a certain place and time. Uh, number two, these Amalekites were not innocent people. If we read down further, uh, check it. Check out Deuteronomy, uh, um, which is in the the law, the last book of yes. the law, Deuteronomy 25 verse uh, chapter 25 going into verse 17 and 18. It says this, um, this is describing the people that, that, uh, God had just commanded the Israelites to kill. Remember what the Amalekites did to you on your journey. After you left Egypt, they met you along the way and attacked you and attacked all your stragglers from behind when you were tired and weary. They did not fear God. Okay? Right. So this is the type of people that God is commanding the Israelites to go out and destroy. <clears throat> These type of people, they didn't, they, 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 they were an actual, to me it's a type, a cowardice people who go and they pick off the lame and the hurt and the women and the children from a group of others, killing them to weaken them um, instead of meeting them face to face like a man, like an army. Okay. Right. So these Amalekites are not innocent people. Well, and here's another thing besides, besides that um, we're also dealing with in the shaping of the nation of Israel and God is doing something. Right. He's he's he is building a lineage. Yes. He is preparing the way for his son. Right. Okay, and a lot of these things are shadows and types and things that were required to happen in order for Jesus to physically come upon the earth as he did to fulfill prophecy and to do what he did on the cross for us. Okay. That redeems all. Okay, so there is a there is a need that is happening here in God's plan that is outside of our small little understanding and our uh, small point of view. Right. So we don't have God's eyes eye view on this. Right. And so um, that's like, uh, for example, Saul was commanded to do this. Yes. Did he do it? No. No. He screwed up. He messed up and he, he saved uh, at hey least... God. Uh, yeah, Agag, Agag and, sorry. and the uh, and and the animals. Right now, it's sugge- it's suggested that or implied that he actually saved more right. than just those guys. Exactly. And uh, the reason why we say that is because there are two other instances after this where the Amalekites are a problem. 
Right. They pop back up and they keep popping up right. twice. In fact, a direct descendant of Agag, or at least one of the Agags, is, don't know if that's a, uh, a title of their king like Caesar or if that's an actual physical name. Right. But, but one of the descendants of the Agags of the Amalekites was Haman. And Haman, if we remember the, the story of the book of Esther, Haman was the antagonist in that. He's the one who wanted to kill all the Jews right. in retribution for, for the Amalekites. This. So it, it's like if Saul would have done what God said, we wouldn't have had the drama of Esther. Right. And so anyway, God had a plan. Right. And that's, that's one thing... Uh, when trying to understand war, the best thing you can do is number one, take yourself out of uh, a temporal, your temporal mindset, and put it into your eternal mindset. When you're looking at scripture and applying applying an eternal mindset, what you're seeing is God is setting up a people, right, mm-hmm. a, a specific nation, the nation of Israel, setting them apart and bringing one person out of that uh, people, namely Jesus, who is God's son. To, to redeem in a nation, uh, to redeem a people and to create a new kingdom so that there won't be any war in the end. Right. Okay. So you have to look at that and you have to understand. And again, I want to go back and I really want to point out um, anytime that God uses war in the Old Testament, uh, it's usually as judgment upon another people group mm-hmm. who are doing all types of atrocities, namely uh, child sacrifice to Molech, who are doing, um, uh, who are being um, cruel to to women and children, who are uh, doing all types of disgusting acts before the Lord God. And the major thing that He wants to do is to keep the the people of Israel pure from doing mm-hmm. those acts. So in Leviticus twenty, He says, "Don't let any." Uh, any of the people of Israel or the stragglers who sojourn in Israel who gives his children a Molech shall surely be put to death. The people in the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against the man and will cut him off from among the people because he has given one of his children a Molech to, uh, to make my sanctuary unclean to profane my holy name. He is very against uh, a sin, and atrocities right, such as right. that. And so he uses war. <clears throat> and that's not just outside to, to these Amalekites or anybody else outside. He does it to Israel. That's right. He actually... He uses Syria and he uses... Uh, Babylon? Yeah, he uses all these different nations right. to come in and war against Israel right. to put them in, in their place for punishment of of disobedience exactly of course this is all pre-jesus exactly so things are a little bit different Uh, it it is a completely it's a different biblical context now um this is the the people of israel who are different from christians correct and i really want to make that distinction anybody who would say to you that that islam is kind of like the same extreme islam is kind of like the same extreme christianity and points to the old testament and shows where god commanded israelites to kill people <laughs> right. is not showing you god commanding christians nowhere Correct. in scripture Correct. does it command a christian to kill anybody right nowhere in scripture you won't find that you'll find israelites in the old testament who are not christians mm-hmm. but a group of uh, a nation Trying to build the path to Jesus. Exactly. And they do war. So, 
All of that to say, it seems like God, even though it doesn't seem like he likes war, God uses war for his great glory. Right. So we have to, the very first thing we have to understand that is, is God uses war. The question is, how do we know when he's using us? Yes. <laughs> so, okay, that's the You have Old to Testament. decide, you know, if you... <laughs> right. Well, let's... Uh, Let's jump let's, to the let's jump to the New Testament. Okay, okay, let's figure this out. So Israel is established. Uh, it has this nation. It's actually under oppression from the Romans during the time of Jesus, and Jesus comes on the scene. Our Messiah, the person who we listen to, he's our teacher, our rabbi. Uh, a couple of Jesus's most famous statements uh, about fighting. Let's let's look at them. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, let's just jump there real quick. Of course, we all know this pretty much famous statement, which is kind of a <laughs> shocker. He says... <clears throat> let's start with verse 9. Okay. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. For they will be called the children of God. So peacemakers <laughs> are children but of God. Sometimes peace comes through war. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know, but, but continue on. What was the verse you wanted? Let's look at, let's just start in verse 21. Okay. okay? Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 21. You have heard it said, uh, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder. Whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is even angry with his brother is subject to judgment. Okay. Mm. So he compares being angry with somebody as killing murder, somebody. As killing somebody. Right. Okay. Uh, and whoever says to his brother fool will be subject to to the Sanhedrin, but whoever says you moron will be subject to hellfire. Okay. So he's very specific in dude, just don't hate. All right. Right. Uh, love don't hate. So if you are offering your gift on the altar and then you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Uh, reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on your way with them, or your adversary will hand you over the judge, the judge will officer, and you will be thrown into prison. I assure you, you will never get out out of there until you paid your last penny. So right. he seems to be against this whole fighting thing. Right. All right. He he seems to be very much a part of peace. He wants to make peace. Right. Um, uh, verse thirty-eight. Yes. Uh, I'm in an NET. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist evil do the evildoer. But whoever strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other as well. Right. So, and there's more about. Now, uh, a lot of people miss the cultural context of this. Yes, there, the is, Jewish there is something going on. Cultural, uh, it's a Hebrew idiom. Uh, most people were right-handed. So the back of the right hand would have been used to hit another person on the right cheek. Right. So in other words, he's not saying the issue is not so much physical assault uh, as social insult. Jesus uh, puts it simple. Don't return insult with insult. That's what he's saying. Right. So it's not so much about physical assault as it is about insult. Well, and there is a flip side of this also. Sure. That this is also kind of passive aggressive. Yes. Because if you turn to somebody your right cheek, the only way they can hit you is with the back of their hand, right? right? If they're if they're right-handed, yeah. So that is how you would assault on in their culture. That's how you would assault someone who is your peer, who is your equal, 
Yeah. Okay. Someone who is subservient to you, you would hit open handed. Right. Okay. So if, if you're forcing the person to hit you, <laughs> like if he hits you across the left cheek, that's an insult to your character. Right. I am above you. Bam. Hitting you with the open palm. On your if left your res- If your response to that is, here, why don't you be my equal and hit me? Right. Then, then you're you're actually if the man sees you as subordinate to him, he will not hit you that way. Right. So um, there is a little bit of a passive aggressiveness, sure, in what Jesus is telling them. Absolutely. So, uh, but the point again, I mean, there's really no way around it that Jesus is very much uh, all about uh, peace. Right. He's right. not about fighting, and he's definitely not about uh, um, asserting yourself as much as he is about submitting and loving one another. Um, his basic argument is this. Man, if you love, then they're going to see your good works, your love, mm-hmm. and they're going to what? They're going to glorify your fathers in heaven. In other words, that's the best way to get the message of the kingdom out is to love God and to love others and not to hate or not to war against anybody. So the question remains, when is it okay for me to go to war as a Christian? David, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. (laughs) Well, there is something else that I think that we need to take in consideration. Sure. Like, for example, what we were just reading about is about about retaliation. (laughs) Yeah. And about um, war is not always about retaliation. Right. He struck me, I strike him. Okay. For example, um, especially here in America. We have ended up in wars that aren't ours, necessarily. Oh, a lot of them, yeah. Okay, right? So uh, we didn't, the Vietnamese did nothing to us. That's right, Koreans. We went over there to support uh, for justice of somebody else. The South Vietnamese, that's right. Uh, Korea, same thing. South Korea. We went over there to support. Seems like they're South, always. Support the underdog, right? (laughs) That's right. And uh, and, and it seems like we weren't even involved in, uh, amazingly, in in the Second World War, until we were provoked. That's right. But once again, there is this this sleeping giant yeah. mechanism that's always comes up, you know. It's like, well, there we we tend to have a big heart for the underdogs, right? Yeah. For those who are being oppressed. oppressed. Mm-hmm. Uh the uh the first Gulf War. You know, we went over there because of Kuwait. Right. Okay. Because of oil. So no, I'm <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but but and of course it wasn't quite as popularized. But we did same the same thing under Clinton. That's right. We went to S- Serbia and we Somalia. Yeah. And we've done all these things in support of others. Right. Okay. So this to end oppression that has been this uh, yeah that adds something new right to this question here right I want to I want to jump over to uh, Isaiah the first chapter. And look at something that it says here. Okay. Uh, I don't want to forget. Oh, you brought up something that I I wanted to point out. There's two types of war. There's either. Okay, go ahead. You're good. Isaiah. Isaiah 1, and I want to look at verse uh, 17. It says, I'm in the NET. Learn to do what is right. Promote justice. Give the oppressed reason to celebrate. Take up the cause of the orphan. Defend the rights of the widow. Mm. Okay? And this is not a scripture, an island into itself. There are other passages 
that tell us to to look out for the underdogs, right. take care of those people that are oppressed, and and, and to uh, defend them. Right. Well, what does James say? True religion is what? True religion is uh, caring to, for widows and orphans in right. need. The word visit in yeah. the King James doesn't mean, oh, hey, how you doing, orphan? No, no, it it means to take care of them right. and to to hold them, yeah, and and so and to uh, champion them. Yeah, uh, Hosea the twelfth chapter verse six also it says, "But you must return to your God by maintaining love and justice, right, and by waiting for your God to return to you." And then of course Matthew twenty three, Jesus Himself getting on to the Pharisees. And he's just—he's coming down on them really hard and telling them how they're hypocritical about things and all this. Uh, one of the things he tells them here in chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-three: "Woe unto you, experts in the law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites! You give a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you neglect what is more important in the law: justice." justice. Yeah. Mercy <laughs> and faithfulness. Amen. Okay, justice is an important thing to God. Yes, and 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 He's all about setting everything right that was wrong. Right, that's His goal. So uh, there is a selfish side to some of the things that, like when Jesus is talking about self defense, and He says, "Turn to the other cheek and don't and accept uh, the the wrong." We get that a lot, even in the the writings of Paul and all this. He's constantly telling us. Like he tells the Corinthians in chapter six, why are you suing one another? What just to take the wrong, right. take the wrong. Okay. But that's, that's coming from a personal standpoint, a selfish standpoint. Let's take this back to the personal defense thing. Yeah. Okay. If, if you are a gun owner or whatever, and you come into the house and you see a man attacking your wife. Okay. And you're packing. You have a choice at that moment. And that choice is, and okay, you love your enemy, the, the man attacking your wife, <laughs> but you also love your wife. Right. So the question is, which do you love the most? Well, and I believe, here's my biggest thing with that. Okay. okay. If we're going to go, it's tough because I want to go on a, on, a, uh, on a national scale and then I want to go on a personal scale. Okay. So, so I'm breaking your model. Yeah, but that's okay. But, uh, the, but they're linked somewhat. They are. And I, let, me, let me just go on the personal scale real quick. Okay. I believe personally um, that uh, if, it's, if it's in danger to somebody else, mm -hmm. such as my wife or my children, then I have every right, I believe biblically, to take the life of that man to protect my wife or my child. Right. If it were just me personally, in other words, if there were a guy standing with a gun pointing to my head and saying, I'm going to kill you, and my wife and children are taken out of the equation, and maybe it's over a stereo in my car, right? I'm going to say, kill me. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend myself. And a lot of people I've, I've gotten, uh, I said this at a men's Bible study once. And I mean, everybody was just like, yeah, right. You know, when that situation comes up, you're going to, now I probably would fight the man to try to stop him from killing me. Mm -hmm. I would try to defend myself, but I would stop short at killing that man. I wouldn't kill him. And the reason I wouldn't is because I believe this to be absent with the body for me is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Right. Whenever I die, I'm going straight to heaven, and man, you can't hurt me. I'm not going to fear the person who kills with the sword. Right. I'm right. going to fear the person who casts the, soul and body the, in hell. And, and I'm with you, like, almost identical 
Right. Like we're almost on the exact same page on this. Yeah. The 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 only question that comes into my mind a little bit here is, let's say you are a husband and father of small children and uh, this sort of thing, even though it's it's unselfish of you to right. offer yourself, at the same time you're leaving behind yeah a, an orphan right. or you know, a, right. a, a fatherless child. And this is where and, I really pray that the church steps up and, and does what's supposed to be right, in this right, right, situation. Right. And so I believe that but, they would be taken care of because of the church. Wow. So it, we are actually are really close on this thing yeah. because this is one of the things that I have really worked over in my mind a lot yeah. uh, because we do have guns. We do, we have talked about personal protection and things like that. And sure. I've actually debated this with other Christians and, and we have all this, this, you know, this issue about, no, 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 we're not supposed to fight back. We're supposed to be completely passive and, and all this sort of thing. And I don't know if, if we're supposed to be completely passive as much as we're supposed to be selfless yes. in this, okay? Yes. Yes. Which means if another person is being oppressed, it is not selfish for me to defend the weak person. Right. Uh, you, so like in that situation where I'm talking about where you have an oppressor and you have a victim, you're on the side of the victim. Yes. You it just you are for justice and mercy. And yes, I have mercy on that guy, but not at the expense of that victim. That's right. You're going to stand in between the 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 uh, person carrying the sword and the victim. Right. That's what you're called to do, and I believe so, that. So and again, it is. So it is about love. Right. It's just about loving. The, it's at levels of love right? And, and dealing with it. Well, let's go back to your statement earlier when you said there's basically two types of war here we're looking at. There's okay. one that is provoked. Right. Right. And the other one where you are the provoker. Right. So let me ask you this, and this is a hot thing, so don't hate us whenever I bring this up, okay? <laughs> but let's go back to the Revolutionary War. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. okay. We uh, we were being taxed without representation, and that was the main reason, the number one reason, why we went to war in the Revolutionary War. Was that justified? From a Christian standpoint? From a Christian standpoint. I think we'd be hard-pressed. Very hard-pressed yes. to prove that that was justified. Did now, I'm very thankful that yes. my ancestors went to war. I am I am very happy to be an American. Freedom is not free, and That's we're not right. here to say it is. Absolutely. Um, and, and, but freedom and Christianity are kind of like oil and water. Yes. You know, I mean, we've got plenty of freedom here, and we've got plenty of Christianity. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because Christianity is is free here, and we're free to do it, has that made Christians out of us? I mean, or really? I mean, or, or, or if oppression came, how many of those people would be true to what right. they believe? Right. Um, and and so in that way, freedom is somewhat of a of a problem for Christians, even though. From a personal standpoint, I'm all about, do not depress me, man. I don't want oppression. <laughs> Get your boot off of my neck. Right. right? So yeah. I'm completely torn on that feeling because sure. I do have patriotic tendencies. Yeah. Uh, but on the other side of that, I also have to see that I'm not entitled to life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness. No. Those are not entitlements. No, they're not. 
and and it's not a God-given gift. It is something that had to be fought for. Right. True liberation, true freedom comes only in one package, and that's through Jesus Christ Amen. and into the kingdom of everlasting peace. You see, there will be a day when there will be no more war, and that is what God is working towards in working out the kingdom of heaven. And that's what Jesus came to promote the entire time. Now, here's the deal. We are... Uh, and we discussed this before we started this topic. We are kingdom citizens displaced mm-hmm. under another government. Correct. So basically what I'm saying we're is... Pilgrims we're pilgrims We're pilgrims, that's right. And even though I am a United States citizen, and that's what my birth record says, and that's what I will pledge allegiance to, I pledge allegiance <laughs> to the flag, no problem. I, my first allegiance is to a king and a kingdom, and that is to Jesus Christ. So how do I conduct myself... Under this government, but pledging to a king and a kingdom. Do I become a full pacifist? Um, uh, there are a couple of really interesting people that I think of whenever I think of this conundrum. First off is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay. Mm, yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, a, a pastor during a time of horrible turmoil in, in World War II under German rule, under Hitler. Correct. This man was born under Hitler and had to live <laughs> and submit to Adolf Hitler, who was slaughtering millions of Jews at the time. Okay. He had he started an underground church movement, Dietrich Bonhoeffer did, wrote the book The Cost of Discipleship. Amazing guy. And actually we we come to find out was partly um, not not directly related to, but had his hand in conspiracy to overthrow Hitler. Now, was that okay for Dietrich Bonhoeffer to participate in a conspiracy to overthrow Hitler? And, and the reason I'm, I'm bringing that up uh, is going to take me right to Romans 13. So let's look there real quick. Okay. Romans chapter 13. Great chapter, by the way. Yeah, it's a really good one. Okay, and this is Paul. Paul's uh, theology book, Romans, uh, yes. getting it out there. And this is what he says about being subject to governing authorities. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Okay, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer was opposing the government. Right. What he was doing was he was actually starting an underground church movement, which was the authentic church in Germany at the time, and opposing the government's issued church. Okay, and he was also uh, an assassin plotter. Okay, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now, here's my question: Was Adolf Hitler a ruler under terror? or to uh, good conduct. <laughs> well, obviously, if terror. Terror, yeah. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have approval. For government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant. Um, oh, my gosh. where I, I just lost my... Uh, for government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. There must, therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but because of your conscience. And for the reason you pay taxes, since the authority are God's public servants continually attending these tasks. Pray 
uh, your obligations to everyone, pay your obligations to everyone, taxes, those who taxes, toils, those who own toil, tools, respect, those who own respect and honor to those you owe honor. Okay? Now, all that he writes, and he's basically saying... Submit to authority. Submit to the authority, okay? but Even if you disagree with them. Even if you disagree with them. But is there a time in a Christian's life where he must not submit to his governing authority? I believe there is. Yes, but we're not talking about... So the, so the question really, though, is... Well, okay, let's back up for a second. Yeah. In answer directly to your question, Peter and Paul talked about this stuff, right? Right. Whenever or Paul or Peter, whenever he was when they were when they were being beaten That's right. for preaching, right? And they said, "Look, stop preaching this stuff." <laughs> they His stop. response was, "Should we answer to you?" Or to to God exactly. Okay. There's the key. That's the that's the key that opens okay. the door here. But <laughs> Peter took a licking and laughed about it. That's right. He didn't whip out a sword and start going to town on the governor. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and when they cut off his head because he, not Peter but Paul, when they cut off Paul's head because he wouldn't recant, he didn't fight back. Right. Right. He submitted his head to be cut off. What happened to Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. He got hung with piano wire. Yeah. Can you imagine that? No. Terrible. Okay. But the key to opening this door is this. You must submit to your governing authority until your governing authority is not submitting under God. Right. And the minute it is not submitting under God and you have a choice to make, do I follow God in this or do I follow my government in this? But, but... Yes. With that said, are we talking war? Are we talking revolution? Or are we talking imprisonment? Okay. Okay. Because there's, there's a big a, difference. There's another underlying thing here. Okay. What was Hitler doing? Okay. So Bonhoeffer obviously started the underground church, so he was rebelling against government. But he went a step further. He became part of an assassination plot against Hitler's life. Okay. Now that is war. That's fighting. Correct. Against, okay? I'll agree with that. Now. Why would he do that? And I believe the reason is this, because he was fighting for the oppressed. Okay. I'm, I, I can he go was, there. There's the, there's the, just like we were talking about the undercurrent in the home here. invasion. Situation. Exactly. He knew that millions were being murdered by this man. And his idea was, I take out that man. I stop the oppression. Mm hmm. That's the thought. Now, he wasn't directly involved. In other words, he wasn't holding the gun with a bullet. But what he was doing was actually going to uh, going on missions to other uh, countries to talk to them about okay. what's going to happen whenever the government's overthrown. But, but, but let's inject this also. Yeah. Okay. Bonhoeffer didn't do this because he wanted out of the oppression Nuh-uh. of this government. That's right. And that's, that's a big difference. Uh, whenever you are protecting for justice, you're uh, protecting the oppressed. It's one thing, but whenever you are doing it for selfish reasons, I deserve freedom of religion or whatever. Right. To me, you've stepped outside of the 
Christian boundaries here of what we've been given on how to deal with things. That's right. Uh, this whole passage you just read here in Romans 13. Well, it doesn't end there. I, I know, but it, <laughs> but it's it goes from right. a governmental view right. to a personal view. Yes. But the, but the governmental view to the personal view is really the same view. Yeah. It's just taking, you know, it's just like what we've been doing. The right. difference between war and the home invasion is really exactly what Paul does here. Right. He gives you this 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 outline of this is how you deal with governing authorities. Uh, think about it for a minute. Nero. Yeah. Nero was a horrible leader. Oh, evil, yeah. He was as evil as Hitler. Yeah. He just didn't have the power to do what Hitler, what Hitler was yeah. doing. Okay, but he was absolutely... Uh, a huge oppressor of Christians. Right. Yet we don't ever read of these guys taking up arms and going to war against Nero or anything like that. Instead, we hear stories of um, guys like Polycarp. Yeah. Who stood in the uh, Colosseum. Right. And willingly went to his own death. Right. And and other guys, people were converting in the stands when Christians would die because these Christians would come in and they wouldn't fight. Right. They would be so convicted about their truth. They would sing hymns while the lions ripped them apart. Exactly. There's even one recorded uh, account in the in Fox's Book of Martyrs where this guy actually charges the lion himself and says, Lord, I'm coming to meet you. <laughs> Amen, man. So and that's the you know that's the case. So okay, bringing it back, uh, let's look at the rest of Romans thirteen. Okay, what it says because it's very. I mean it it, it so, underlines this so point. Verse seven said, "Pay everyone that is owed." Right. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Right. It picks up in verse eight. It says, "Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law." The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Whatever other commandment, all are summed up by this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep, for now is our salvation, is nearer than when we first believed. In other words... The kingdom's coming. The night is nearly over. The daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. Let us walk in decency as the daylight, not in carousing in darkness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Hmm. and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. Right. So what is... Freedom is a fleshly desire. Exactly. And the Lord Jesus... His very innate nature was sacrifice. Right. So. (laughs) (laughs) So what you have to do is you have to look at these situations. Right. And you have to analyze it with the Holy Spirit at your helm. But whenever. Guiding you. But whenever you're a soldier in the army, you don't get a lot of choice in the matter. That's right. But 
why uh, I, I really I really do believe that you have to look at uh, for instance right now what's going on right now in the United States ISIS not in the United States but in our world right ISIS a terrorist organization is killing children slaughtering them left and right burying them alive beheading them crucifying them killing Christians left and right and doing this all in the name of their God Allah okay mm-hmm. I would be very comfortable in my belief as a Christian and justified in going to war against that. Yeah. Because I it's think, oppression of the weak. Yeah, I think I would too. The only thing that that still nags at me about this is because that happened historically. Yeah. That happened at the time when these guys were writing. Yeah. It was happening. Yeah. And 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 they're not saying, "Hey, pick up your sword." But you know it, they are. Let's look at Matthew twenty six versus yeah. Luke twenty two real quick. <laughs> okay. So Matthew twenty six fifty two fifty three. We have this famous story, and uh, I'll just jump on on it quickly because time. But uh, Peter uh, Peter is there, and Jesus is about to be arrested. And what's Peter do? He whips out a sword that he's been hiding, and he. And he, uh, Ain't nobody taking you under my That's watch. right. He's like, I'm going to kick the crap out of anybody that messes with you. And and what does Jesus say in Matthew 26, 52, and 53? He who lives by the sword. Put up your sword. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. That's right. In other words, don't live by the sword or you will die by the sword, okay? Mm-hmm. Now let's look at Luke chapter 22, verse 36. This horrible contradiction, it obviously seems, right? <laughs> Which people have brought up all the time, and they go, see, see here, yeah. see, the Bible contradicts itself. Okay, so I'll read that. In the NET, okay. it says, he said to them, but now the one who has a money bag must take it, and likewise a traveler's bag too, and the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. <laughs> now, wait a second. He just told Peter to put up his sword, and over here he's telling us to go buy a sword? Yeah. What is he saying by that? Yeah, and look, at it continues. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, and he was counted with the transgressors. So, in other words, I've got to be in subject because of the prophecy. Right. Okay. He says, for what is written about me is being fulfilled. So they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. <laughs> and he told them, enough of that. That's enough. <laughs> Now, we don't know if that's being enough talk about the swords or if he's saying two is fine. Right. That's what I want you to have. We Yeah. This is a very oh it's my, a debated, hotly debated, debated scripture. passage. Okay. But this is what I really, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards this understanding. Okay. Not taking out the sword unless you have to. Um, so what that means is. Peter wanted to do the offensive. Correct. Jesus is saying, don't do the offensive. Don't go on the offense. Living by the sword. Yeah. What does that mean? It means whipping out your sword in every circumstance. It's not a defensive statement, really, if you think about it. No, it's an offensive statement. So what he's saying is, uh, Peter, we don't need to go on the offense here. But in this statement, he's almost saying... Even though Peter was trying to defend Jesus. Right. He's saying... There's going to be a time, basically what Jesus is, actually, I, I believe this is a prophecy in Luke 22, mm-hmm. and he's saying, listen, you guys are going to be murdered and destroyed and killed off just like me, uh, so you know what? You better buy a sword. <laughs> and it, Pretty much what he's saying is, you're going to have to defend yourself, Yeah. okay? Now, 
the question begs to be asked, how did they defend themselves? Most of these Christians defended themselves by going into hiding, Mm -hmm. using secret symbols, but they still gave their lives up. Okay? Right, right, and they chose to do what Jesus actually called them to do. Anybody who follows after me must what take up his cross, right, and follow right. me. In other words, give his life for me. Um, and I believe they did that. And and I believe the only use, again, the only use of the sword I can come up with justifiably is to defend somebody else, to mm. stand in in protection of somebody else. Right. So I, I don't know. Well, we are never going to solve this. And if you go to the uh, oh. commentary commentaries on this passage oh my goodness you're gonna find all kinds of disagreement oh yeah i mean you one commentary will say see right here it says that there is a time for defense and then another commentary will say this is completely allegorical all it's saying is that spiritual battle is ahead and we must be prepared spiritually referring to this being a spiritual sword and not necessarily uh, physical physical sword. sword. Although if he's going to be doing that, why is he talking about purchasing one, selling yeah. what you have and purchasing one? So I don't know. It's just a weird passage. Yeah, it really and, is. And I don't think we're ever going to really understand, but I think I, that's the closest thing I can come yeah. to reconciling it. Uh, I don't believe that it's, I don't believe it's contradiction, but I believe that it's definitely not contradiction to me because he's saying to Peter something completely different. I agree. He's saying, don't go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. And this is totally about defense. But uh, I, I guess what I'm, when I come down to is I believe that God uses war for his great purpose of bringing about the kingdom in which there will be no more war. Mm. And that's, that's basically where I'm at now on a personal level. The only time I go to war is to defend the weak, not 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 to go on the offensive, but to defend the weak. So uh, I'm what they would call a just war guy. In other words, right. is it justifiable to go to war to, to defend the... Is violence justifiable to defend the weak? Well, and, and here... It- is one thing I want our listeners and our viewers yeah. to take <laughs> to take so, away to take away from this is um, that we are not answer providers. No, <laughs> we are thought right. provokers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, I may be. Totally I went in, off on this. I went into this thinking you and I were just going to be on completely different pages with this. So, huh. <laughs> but it sounds like we're actually closer than I thought. That's good. But. Uh, but that being said, man, you have to have grace in your heart about these issues. Oh yeah, with other Christians, okay, because there are Christians who are packing for other reasons, right? Yeah. And so we need to make sure that everyone uh, realizes that hey, there, this is not a easily discernible topic. It is not. So we have to have grace in our hearts for those with opposing views. That's right. And and that's. Where you know this is not a disunity issue, right? And this, I mean, we should be united even in our disagreements about this. Absolutely. I I have very close friends who are in the military. Yeah, they're Christians. They're they're doing what they believe is absolutely right. I've got Christian friends in law enforcement, and man, in those guys. I can tell you are very opinionated about this justice thing. Oh yeah. And about being on the side of justice and That's being right. on the side of protecting the And weak. it's it's almost like a calling from God to do that. Right. They will tell you that. For and that sure. is you know, that that is very much a you know 
a reality, yeah. I believe. So, I, so I can't sit in judgment against no, you can't. any any of that. I mean, right. and I'm I could probably go law enforcement more than I could go military because when you go military, it's like it's almost like you lose complete control right. of your decision making process yeah. because you're at the mercy of whatever the government decides right. is just and right, and you just have to follow it. Um, but that being said, I cannot pass judgment for anyone who decides that that's the path they want to go. Yeah. I mean, you can look at a lot of great uh, Christian soldiers throughout history. Right. Uh, um, Sergeant York, one of my favorite stories ever. I don't know if you ever watched the 1940s, 50s movie of Sergeant York. It's a great movie. But uh, <laughs> basically the guy, conscience and subjector, lives in Kentucky, sharpshooter, and they realize he's a sharpshooter, and so they put him on the front lines anyways. And he goes, listen, <laughs> I don't want to kill anybody. And they explain to him, well, basically what you're doing is you're actually protecting innocent lives right. by doing this. Right. And so he he uh, really searches in his heart and discovers, okay, well, this and is it's what just, God wants me to do. Just like this the, this movie that's been so popular, oh, the, the American, American Sniper, Sniper movie. Yeah. And, the, and the big mantra that kind of came out of that, you know, where his dad was teaching him, there's there's three types of people, you know, there's sheep, there are wolves, and then there are, there are sheepdogs. Right. And they're there to protect. And you have to decide what kind of animal you are. That's right. And, uh, that's a, it's a great <clears throat> analogy. Now, you know, and once again, that's a complete justice issue. I mean, yeah. that's presented in a right. way of your defender. Right. And, and if you're a defender, then God's with you. Right. And, and so I don't disagree with, with that necessarily. Right. At all. I think that we are called to bring, um, Liberty to the captives and right. justice and mercy. And now there's one last thing that I really just want to nail down and make sure that people understand the main difference between our, our religion and the Muslim religion mm-hmm. is that our religion actually calls us to love others, mm-hmm. even if they disagree with us. Right. Whereas their religion calls to kill Right. Others. And that's the difference between Christianity. So there should never be a crusade. Crusade. <laughs> I, I don't believe it. There should never be a crusade. I, I agree that this is not a convert or die no. uh, religion. That's right. So <laughs> that, you know, that just goes without saying. But it's uh, all right. So in the end, when we come out on the other side of this, we go, war, what is it good for? I don't know. God. God will justice. That's right. <laughs> justice. And that's it. So. And, and you know, um, I, another thing that came to my mind, I was talking about movies is, uh, did you ever see the machine gun preacher? Oh man. Movie? Yeah. Okay. So once it's again, a true story, that's one of those things that it, that will make you think, right? Because that man, Christians don't accept that guy, right? Because of what he's doing. <laughs> but what is he doing? He's fighting for He's fighting justice for the orphans. That's right. Who are getting slaughtered or turned into turned soldiers? Into soldiers, yeah. He's freeing or them. sex slaves. So, so. I, I, you can't. I can't stand in judgment of that. I see it as a a godly amen mission. That's right. Uh, so, wow, I'm sure there's some people that have to disagree with us on some <laughs> level here. And I want I want you to invite in. Talk it, yeah. <laughs> Tell us how wrong we are, or, or how right, or whatever. Just let us know what you think about it. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, but uh, that's that's war and God. Yeah. <laughs> awesome.
Well, the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go, all, to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more and to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter there to stay up to date on the latest from all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Hey, they did a great show this week, by the way. Yes, on Godzilla. That's right. That awesome. Godzilla. Okay. There are several ways to contact us and to leave feedback. Send us an email to theonauts at the gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast portal. And don't forget to leave us comments there and to rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. Don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here. Thank you, David. Thanks for bringing the topic. Hey, no problem. And God bless you all. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At gctnetwork.com. Transmission. This is your great commission transmission.